lube, my friends. Yeah. Lube. It doesn't matter if you don't think you need it. You need it. It's so helpful. That's so, going to be the soundbite for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> what is it? We're committed to your whole, bits? The, <laughs> That's a callback. <laughs> I broke Rin. That is a joke we came up with years ago. Marriage is just an extended commitment to the bit, or more accurately, an extended commitment to your partner's bits, Mm -hmm. is the joke that was, you know, made several years ago. You know who I'm sure would be very committed to the bits of whoever he happened to encounter? You know who I'm sure who would be very committed and just great? Fucking Aragorn, the only person that I care about talking about in this episode. <laughs> okay, so uh, for our listeners, although at this point, if you're listening to us here in episode four, you probably know what we're about. Welcome back we're to about yet another episode. <laughs> Welcome back to yet another episode of The Fandom Apprentice, the podcast where two queer best friends talk about fellowship of the ring at this current moment we'll talk about other things at another point i'm rin i'm one of your hosts and uh i have read fellowship before i'm sam i'm the other one i have not but i am simply loving it especially this week (laughs) so yeah do we have anything else before we we get started um I don't think there was anything left over from last time. There are other things that happen in these chapters. I know I have sort of a one track mind at the moment, but these, these were a good couple of chapters. Yeah. uh, They were, they were good. This episode will also be so much shorter than our previous episode. I'm so sorry, dear listener Uh, or not. We say that now, but. So I guess tonight we are, rolling into chapter nine at the sign of the prancing pony do you have anything else before we before we get started other than we we've already established that you would like to take aragorn off to his dark brooding corner somewhere me silently nodding is not good for the audio medium but yes no other than that i think we can just get right into it okay well um in that case we, I mean, we get started, I feel like we should start counting the Tolkien lore dumps at the opening of a chapter. Mm-hmm. Because this is now becoming, like, obviously we get Tolkien lore dumps in the middle of a chapter, but to start a chapter with a Tolkien lore dump, I feel like is, it's becoming a thing, right? <laughs> I would agree, yeah. And normally, I'm not one for big chunks of exposition, but in this case, it works, and I don't mind it at all. I actually had something from the lore dump where Mm. it was talking about the men of Bree and sort of generally what what they're like, and it says they're cheerful and independent. They belonged to nobody but themselves, and 
I assume that means that they're not ruled by some other nation or something, but it does sound like this could be another gay free love colony, much like Lake Town. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get more into the gay free love colony in a minute because I actually have something in my notes that would support that. I am simply thrilled to find out what that will be because, you know, they belong to nobody but themselves. They're all relationship anarchists. There is no, you know, mononormativity happening in Brie. They all just really have some good systems in place. Absolutely amazing. But there are no women, of course, because the women don't exist here. Well, of course. It's a, it's, I don't think we have a single woman mentioned. <laughs> we do have hobbits. As, and as we previously established, hobbit is a gender. Mm-hmm. I did want to say I have in my notes like right at the beginning it's so easy to read these two chapters as if they are just direct lifted out of a D&D campaign yes yes like these two chapters are structured in the way exactly as you'd see around on a D&D table mm-hmm. like with the lore dump at the beginning the exposition as you roll into town mm-hmm. um, given by the DM or at least that's how I DM Maybe because I came up on Tolkien, but... There may be a connection there. (laughs) Tolkien, I came up on Tolkien and then later uh, got some DMing tips from Mr. Matthew Mercer. So perhaps, and as as he's noted previously, he also was a big, a big Tolkien nerd as a a child. Shocker. Gee, it's almost like a bunch of D&D nerds happen to also be into Tolkien, and then use that to create D and D anyway. But we get out of we get out of our our exposition from the narrator, and we get to the gate, and mm-hmm. the gatekeeper. And at this point, the DM isn't even making them roll; they're just blowing through with their with their high persuasion checks. Yeah. Um. So I have in my notes here, like the. The gatekeeper is, like, talking to himself about what he's seeing at the gate. Mm-hmm. And, like, I talk to myself a lot. I don't shut up, in fact. Um, but I don't, like, mutter under my breath around other people. Because I feel like that's rude. <laughs> Particularly when it's about the other person. I just yeah. keep that one in my head. Yeah, I generally don't mutter about other people when I am near those other people. I think that's generally considered impolite. Yeah, I do. I do plenty of muttering, just not within earshot when I can help it. That's fair. And after they finish the chat with the gatekeeper, I will actually want your input on what specifically this is referring to, because it could be very sinister or it could be not. After they have their little exchange as soon as his the gatekeeper's back was turned a dark figure climbed quickly in over the gate and melted into the shadows of the village street and after that i just wrote nope in all caps so well is this we'll our get friend or is this we'll get to that okay um but i don't want to blow past this okay let's because see because we get uh the hobbits get pissed about the gatekeeper's attitude Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love Barry. Barry. Mary. <laughs> I mean, you do Mary. love berries. I love berries. Um, 
I love fruits of all kinds. You're my favorite. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Thank you. You're my favorite fruit too. Um, I love Mary being like, I'm Mr. Brandybuck because it's like this lovely combination. It's such a common name. We've already established the Brandybucks are a huge fucking family, Mm -hmm. but also they have a whole region named after them. Mm-hmm. So, and they're rich as shit. So it's this lovely combination of being like, ah, oh, yes, I'm Mr. Boston <laughs> from Boston. Um, combined with, I'm Mr. Smith, John Smith, if you must. Um, and my name is Gates. Yeah, that Gates. Like, all in one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I love it. It's such a power move. Yeah. Um, and then the man is like, oh, shit. All right. You know what? Fine. Fine. Uh, be careful. There's queer folk about if you go on to the inn. It is Pride Night at the Pony. Yes. Um, which then my brain just went, pony play gay bar? Mm. There is... Um, there's also a Chapel Roan song uh, called Pink Pony Club, which is similar energy. Ponies I mean, gay. I was going to say there's a lot of prancing and jumping that happens in, <laughs> in this chapter. You know, possibly. Who knows? So that that supports your uh, your Brie is a Brie is a gay commune thing. Amazing. And um, it, in the oh. lore dump too. This is this is totally just off the cuff. In the lore dump, we get that like there's four cities in Breland, right? Mm-hmm. Or four towns. What if they're all gay communes, but you have like two like MLM communes and two Willow Will two sapphic communes. Uh just Almost, almost like the lore in um, Avatar: The Last Airbender, where it was like, literally about to make the same joke. <laughs> the the air temples are either monks or nuns, um, and I guess the only people who bring around news are non-binary folks. Yeah, and where do the bisexuals fit into this? Uh, they travel. Okay, we can travel freely between them. Well, yeah. i mean yes that too anyway there was also (laughs) going back to the sass with the gate rin is making meaningful eye contact with me and i'm just gonna drag my super legit pdf over their face so i can (laughs) i was actually making meaningful eye contact with my notes (laughs) They just happen to be under my camera. (laughs) Well, anyway, the point that I wanted to make is back when Mary is being a bit sassy, saying, you know, I'm Mr. Brandy Buck. And then, is that enough for you? The Brie folk used to be fair spoken to travelers, or so I had heard. Just going like, "Mm, I heard you used to like travelers and you're being kind of a dick right now. So I don't know what that's about. Maybe get your shit together, gatekeeper. It was just so rude for no reason. Yeah, the gatekeeper was being asking them a 
couple more questions nor maybe strictly necessary, but it was nighttime and it's his job to guard the gate. So I don't think he was really out of line. Is he the gatekeeper or the gaykeeper? So true. You know, we talk about gatekeeping within our community as generally being a bad thing, but I think when it's a literal physical gate and we know that there are scary black riders and other nasty things out in the world maybe this one is okay some gatekeepers are valid hashtag not all gatekeepers but anyway moving on from the gatekeeper and and the hobbits at the gate uh the hobbits are not gate kept out of of the community of the commune amazing and are allowed on to the inn sam is not thrilled about the prospect of the inn but they they sort of get over that eventually and all move on because tom bombadil recommended it so it must be fine and i was in love with the inn before they even set foot in it because they talk about the sounds coming out of it the music and the warm light and it just just seems so cozy and inviting and the whole time I was reading this chapter I was just yearning why can't I be at the prancing pony that's where I would rather be right now I one of my former co-workers uh asked like stop me in the hallway at one point at work and then has asked this question on other occasions um but at one point stop me in the hallway at work and was like if you were in medieval times, what would your job be? And I'm like, uh, an innkeeper. <laughs> Is this one of your former coworkers that I've met? Uh, yes, we had a similar conversation at a pride event this month. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I I figured that question had a certain specific personality vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's them. Wonderful. Um, they're lovely, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're wonderful, yeah, and you're you deserve only good things. Also, if you're not that person, just in general, listeners, you can apply that sentiment to yourself. I just made finger guns at my microphone. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, we have the proprietor, Mr. Barlaman Butterbur. Butterbur. So I have to, because this is a podcast about the fact that I read this as a kid, mm-hmm. right? And and you're now reading it as an adult. Yes. I do have to mention that actually Tolkien was the first like big fantasy series that I read with my dad when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Was it actually? It might have been the other way. I remember reading The Hobbit very, very early. And then I I remember getting to this point in the book, whether it was this point in the book or whether it was the third book in that other big fantasy series we all read as children. Mm, yes. Uh, and discussing Butterbeer. And I remember just thinking about like, wait a minute, who named who after what? Oh, yeah. I can see Who that being what after whom. Uh, uh, this is something you drink in a tavern. This is a dude you you meet in a tavern. Adult me, gutter brain, um, 
said something about this is something you eat. This is someone you eat in a tavern. Um, I don't know if it's that kind of tavern. Maybe they have a special room. I don't think that's happening out out in the main no, hall. And and the proprietor's a little busy. Yeah, and I. I instantly loved him for two main reasons. The first was just the frazzled energy of someone working in the service industry. He comes in so hot, just having so many things that he's trying to keep track of at the same time and shouting back and forth and calling. Who's the other guy? Knob and Bob. Knob and Bob. Calling back to them, uh, calling one of them a woolly-footed slow coach, which is a great insult. But I felt in my soul that feeling of being in the service industry and just trying to keep on top of everything that's happening. But the other reason that I instantly loved him was because I saw that he was specifically described as short and fat. So he might be Bomber 2.0 if he starts getting slandered. And it seems like he's, they generally treat him okay, but I am on the lookout. I am eagle-eyed for any unfair slights. If Mr. Butterbur is catching strays, I will be the first to report it um fair enough i i had one thing that he immediately like put out that i was not thrilled about which was him like bending down to talk to the hobbits right Mm, i missed that part that always annoyed the shit out of me as a kid Mm -hmm. like adults bending down to talk to you and i'm sure that if i was a hobbit it would annoy me now now i am a very modest five seven so i am like very average height for both men and women in the u.s where we reside Mm -hmm. so i don't i don't generally encounter people that are incredibly shorter than me or incredibly taller than me Mm -hmm. so this is not really an encounter that i have had since since childhood yeah as someone who almost exclusively interacts with people who are much, much shorter than me, I don't bend down to talk to them. If I need to get at their level, I will sort of do a vertical squat, not a spine bending over, leaning over them, because nobody wants someone leaning over them. That's not fun. But sort of just a straight down, now I am looking at you. But generally, I don't need to do that. And I just look down with my face and eyes and that's enough. That also reminds me of that meme that's like, don't talk to short people like this, do it like this. And then just increasingly bizarre versions of the correct way to talk to short people. Shorty's way in. Rin and I are the same height. So I also don't, you know, I don't really interact with adults who are much shorter than me all the time. But I do have a brother who's 6'5". So he doesn't bend over to talk to people. Yeah, my brother is six foot even, roughly. I want to say maybe maybe I'm exaggerating his height. Maybe he's five foot eleven. I never think of him <laughs> as being that tall because he's always kind of hunched in some corner when I see him minding his own business. He does do a very well mind his own business, um, but he is wonderful and appreciated. Um, but. Barlam and Butterbur, yeah, he gives he gives the frazzled service industry like I am doing too much mm-hmm. with not enough help. But but also like I live at least for him like he lives for offering hospitality. Mm-hmm. Like 
he does want people to feel welcomed. He's just he's just one dude though. Yeah, and although his bending over situation is not the greatest the prancing pony does have a special hobbit room which is on the ground floor with quote round windows and all as they like it unquote and i think that's so nice that there is a special room with the considerations of how hobbits might like to be and that is sweet that it's there i do kind of love that i do kind of love that like you know in this town that is mixed you have considerations in the town itself uh that cater to various groups of people yeah and Um, oh sorry you go no oh i was just gonna say we were when we were texting about this as i was doing my initial read through i was saying how i was yearning to be at the prancing pony and you were saying how this was deeply inspirational to creating the tavern that we have in our DD game and you have designed that tavern with many specific accommodations for the types of folks who may come through there. So there's a room that's very dark with no windows and little enclosed bunks if you are a species that likes the nighttime. And there's big chairs and small chairs for everyone to sit in in the great room. And it's, I love seeing the, to use my stupid coastal elite liberal arts college vocabulary, um, Love seeing the built environment <laughs> being, <laughs> you know, reflective of the people who live there. And that's cool. And I like when buildings have personality and traits and are not just featureless corporate minimalism. Ugh. No, corporate minimalism. No. Nope. Yeah. Which anyway. No one. Also, then we can get into the social model of disability and you know, the way that we build our structures and make them accessible for people. But I, I'm not sure we want to dig into whether this medieval tavern is accessible. It's not, but it's just, it's turning all those gears in my brain, but in a fun yeah. way, in a good way. It's I like definitely the not great for sensory, uh, sensory needs. No, but you know, again, it is a medieval tavern. So it is. Yes. Uh, I do love, that again we get the names thing mm-hmm. uh when butterbur's asking their names we get mr took and mr brandybuck which is two of you know the biggest most well-known most well-off family names in the shire hey here's these two rich dudes like semi-anonymous rich dudes but rich dudes mm-hmm. oh and also this is sam gamgee you know his actual real name yeah i also made a note of that not only his actual real name his first name he doesn't even get a mister it feels i don't know like disrespectful that he is this is our servant his you can address him by his first name he doesn't have to be mr so-and-so it's entirely a class thing it's absolutely a class thing i don't like Um, it no i'm not a fan but then we also get and then we get and my name is Underhill, right? Which specifically, yeah, my name is Underhill. Just, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, you could not shout to the heavens anymore. Hi, I'm traveling under an assumed name. Yeah, you can really tell by that and the glasses with the fake nose and mustache that he's wearing. <laughs> 
Gandalf did not provide him with a hat of disguise or anything like that. No. No. He's not tall enough to be multiple beings stacked in a trench coat, but might as well. He's given off that energy. In Bojack Horseman, which I tragically am like a huge fan of and have seen like every single episode, there is a character who's a recurring character who is two very young children stacked in a trench coat who managed to pass themselves off as an adult. And I wish I could remember what the character's name is, but they do it so convincingly and everyone just yes ands them so hard that they as a unit end up having this whole relationship with one of the adult characters who then breaks it off and she goes, you know, when we hang out, it seems like all you want to do is drink wine and watch R-rated movies. I just don't think we have a lot in common. <laughs> and he literally has like a broom for a hand sticking out the jacket of the trench coat. But that was that was simply delightful. And that's the same energy that's being put out here. Fair enough. That's fun. We move on and we they get to, they show them to the room. Nob shows them to the room. And... Then we get not a deep description of the meal, but a description. We have hot soup, cold meats, a blackberry tart, new loaves, slabs of butter, and half a ripe cheese. Hmm. Good plain food, as good as the Shire could show, and home-like enough to dispel the last of Sam's misgivings, already much relieved by the excellence of the beer. Uh, I think... We have the menu for our next Hobbit party. Yes, I had also noted that exact same line, specifically the thing about slabs of butter. I will go anywhere where there is a slab of butter being served to me. That is the only unit in which butter should be presented. <laughs> and I mean, you can also like if you have it, like if you have your stick of butter and you cut off a little bit of it, like that's a slab of butter. Yeah, but I'm imagining speaking. these really big just a honking slab of butter like an entire stick of butter size and I like that and I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to believe that there's just a shit ton of butter on this table and also I don't drink beer I think that it's yucky but if that was the price of admission to get into one of these meals I would drink the beer and it would probably be amazing I am not a heavy beer drinker but I have learned to appreciate a good beer. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not an IPA person. I don't like hops. But I like like dark ales and I'm, I'm very partial to like a blonde ale um, type thing as well. Lagers generally too. Uh, so I'll, I'll take, I'll take pretty much any, any good beer and then slowly sip it like it's a glass of wine yeah because we're both lightweights I am a super lightweight like if I go out with my spouse we will share a single glass of wine and not finish it because it's just too much and this recently happened when we were on vacation the waitress kind of looked at us and was like so you want like the eight ounce glass of wine or whatever very small size and I was like yes that is all we need <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a lightweight as well. And so I'll have like a drink. I might have two drinks if I'm making it a night. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and this is like over the course of the night. So this will be oh, like yeah. at least three hours, maybe four. 
Yeah. My siblings will roast me if I have a drink when I go over to my mom's house and I hang out with them. And they'll go, oh, Sam, you're looking a little woozy there. Did you drive by a liquor store earlier? Did you look at a glass of wine? Oh. I love my siblings. They're great. I don't. I don't know when that changed because like in college, like freshman and sophomore year of college, mother, if you're listening, uh, I did say at your own risk. Hmm. <laughs> um, I could put away liquor like nobody's business. And then things just kind of flipped at one point And I just I can't do that anymore. That's probably for the best. It is probably for the best, but food, good food, good beer, any sort of good drink, whether Mm -hmm. it's beer, whether it's like, uh, you know, good lemonade, a good like homemade soda of any sort, a good anything local, anything that's local, um, which speaking of local, as part of this menu idea, I went ahead and I looked up what the season is for blackberries. Hmm. Blackberries are a late summer thing. Mm-hmm. You get them in July and August. Now, if I'm not mistaken, God, I should know this better because this is like our podcast and everything. I know in in The Hobbit, they set out at the end of May. Mm-hmm. When did they set out here? After their birthday. After Hobbit Day. Which ah, I yes. think is in the so, fall. Yes. So this is the, like, this is late September, if not early October. Mm-hmm. So you probably are working with, like, blackberry preserves of some sort in this tart. I can see the spirit of our favorite jam man moving through you (laughs) as you specifically choose the correct term preserves for what would be used in this tart. (laughs) Listen, Tom, the jam guy. Uh... If you want someone to tell you the difference between jams, jellies and preserves, he is your man. He will tell you. That was honestly the greatest farmer's market experience I have ever had. (laughs) So good. We're we're not sponsored, but no, you know if you find yourself in the area, if you can if you can figure out what area we're talking about based on that, if that is enough to dox us, then you probably have some things in your life that you can examine more closely than we're figuring out where we live. But anyway, blackberries, blackberries. So, well, because I was thinking about our upcoming Hobbit party which will take place around Bilbo and Frodo's birthday, mm-hmm. which is of course at the same time of year. So blackberries are not in season. Mm-hmm. So it does mean either I will have to get blackberries from the grocery store instead of the farmer's market, Ooh. or I will have to get blackberries from the farmer's market and preserve them somehow. Um, and then end up using them in the tart. I have also acquired some blackberry wine from a recent trip to Shenandoah National Park because they sell it in the park. And I don't think, you know, it's obviously not made in the park, but it's made in Virginia. So I can bring that along. Hey, same. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but, um, 
Anyway, we have, we've gone on a long enough food tangent, like loose, loose food tangent, exceedingly loose food tangent. The next line I have in my notes is, uh, is it Butterbur? Yeah, it's Butterbur, who refers to them as outsiders. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can think, because it's outsiders with a capital O, right? The only thing I could think of was the way that the NPCs in Elder Scrolls Morrowind uh, (laughs) refer to the player character uh, as Outlander the entire time, even if you're playing a Dunmer. Let's not make this official Outlander move along. That was that was what that made me think of. Amazing. And that ties into Frodo's cover story, which seems to be that he is writing... Well, that he says that he's writing a book. Not totally clear what the book is about, but I was gathering that he's just collecting information about hobbits who live in various places, specifically outside of the Shire. And he was very curious about excuse me, what the hobbits in Bree are up to. And everyone was very excited to tell him all of the things that they know. Yes, including Underhills who live here, who think Frodo's definitely a cousin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not fool. So I guess that accounts for, for Butterbur not digging into the obviously fake name. Yeah. Also the fact that his mind is like a sieve, as we learn later. And then... But, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go. What's your thought? Oh, I was just going to say, after that, we get a delightful song, which I have had recited to me many times. So, uh, well, before we get there, because we're, we're not there yet. Okay, we will back up. We will return to it. Uh, we have more lore from Tolkien, another lore drop, on the names of Bremen and how they're all botanical names. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Yeah. I love a good botanical name. And then we get the brooding stranger in the corner. Yes, we do. We absolutely <laughs> do. Uh, which further just makes this a fucking D&D tavern, uh, tavern scene. You've the, the PCs have gone around and they've talked to people. Um, and they're like, oh, is there anyone else we can talk to? And the DM goes, well, as you move your way through the crowd, you finally catch a glimpse of the corner where you can see a stranger seated. His cloak is still pulled down over his eyes. And you think if you look long enough, you can just see the hilt of a sword poking over the back of his chair. Lean over to the proprietor, ask who's that in the corner? And the proprietor says, oh, that's that's one of the wandering folk. Rangers, we call them. That one's name is Strider, so he calls himself round these parts. And boom, we get fulfillment of the Phantom Apprentice's second law of fantasy. If there is a tavern, there will be plot. I had forgotten about that law. Yes, you are correct. Uh huh. And the other 
very D&D thing about this is that the D&D party classically will have this very mysterious, interesting character described to them and then go, okay, is there anyone else in the tavern? The DM will go, uh, yeah, there's a goblin, I guess. And the party will be like, what's his name? What's his favorite color? Who's his family? Who's his mom? How's his day going? Let's go talk to Boblin the goblin. Whereas Mr. MacGuffin in the corner is just sitting there twiddling the MacGuffin between his hands. So they don't make conversation with him right away. They continue with their shenanigans, which is also extremely on brand right you know frodo frodo sort of like says hello Mm -hmm. and strider goes you should watch your friends i they're they're horrible teens Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh so frodo then of course to stop his friends being horrible teens and giving everything away pippin jumps up to sing a give a speech and a song (laughs) right and as you've mentioned you've heard this many times because this is my favorite poem in all of lord of the rings this this one is just so much fun this has the vibe of something that you could still perform today at like a folk festival and it would still go over so fucking well Mm -hmm. i have done this late at night at 11 p.m. standing on our coffee table to my very exhausted roommate who indulged me. Uh, Alexa, if you are listening, thank you. I love you. Uh, (laughs) But I love the bit where Tolkien takes the idea that like, this is a story that actually happened in our world long ago. Like this Mm -hmm. is one little bit where he folds in bits of like our world and our nursery rhymes So he has the only a few words are now as a rule remembered, right? Which is that lovely little stanza in there. The cow jumped over the moon. The little dog laughed to see such fun. And the Saturday dish went off at a run with a silver Sunday spoon. I would read this entire thing on the podcast if I thought we could get away with it. Mm -hmm. I don't. I really don't. Yeah. But it is perhaps, friends, if you have a performance-minded friend, a theater kid in your life, uh, give this to them and just let sit and watch as they, as they perform it because it lends itself so well to performance. And is I this... Think... Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. No, I don't have a flow. <laughs> Um, I assume it is, but is this the same song that is listed as the cat in the moon on Spotify from what appears to be the Lord of the Rings soundtrack? Because I play it for my baby all the time. The Lord of the Rings musical from the West End London, which was a short. Oh, I think this is what it is. Yes. Original London production. It was a shortly lived, uh, musical production of the Lord of the Rings. Which is so sad because the music from that production is gorgeous. But yes, The Cat and the Moon is based off of it. And we'll like link this or like put a clip on our on our social media. And I think they did a very good job of rewriting it for stage. Yeah, um, I like it because I listen to it every day. It is on my afternoon podcast. 
The morning podcast is Italian nursery rhymes, and then so I don't lose my mind from listening to Italian nursery rhymes all day. The afternoon podcast is grown-up music, but that one is also on there. So I was reading it in the book and was thinking, oh yeah, I know this, but a slightly different version. Somewhere, somewhere too, there is actually a recording of Tolkien reading this section. Oh. And he has such a gorgeous flow to it. Um... They also keep a haunted cow as proud as any queen, but music turns her head like ale and makes her wave a tuft of tail and dance upon the green. If I can find it, I'll put it in here as a clip. The ostler has a tipsy cat that plays a five-string fiddle, and up and down he runs his bow, now squeaking high, now purring low, now sawing in the middle. The landlord keeps a little dog that's mighty fond of jokes. When there's good cheer among the guests, he cocks an ear at all the jests and laughs until he jokes. But... Fiddle, fiddle playing friends, uh, the five stringed fiddle. How common is that? I have a five stringed bass, which is currently sitting about six feet from me in the corner of my room, but I have not, I'm not familiar with five stringed fiddles. I'm familiar with four stringed violins and fiddles and mandolins and similar related instruments. But anyway, this is just a, it's a gorgeous little tune. It's so much fun and I think it's just another little piece of like this fun break that they're having in the tavern. And they, they've been having this sort of this whole time, this whole beginning section, right? They stumble into plot, they stumble into danger. And, and then they don't quite have a concept of their own mortality yet. The chance that they could actually fail that anything mm-hmm. is actually going to be dangerous to them, right? And so they just fall into these times of fun. They fall into dinners with Tom Bombadil and uh, mushrooms with Farmer Maggot and dancing on the table until they dance a little too much. And Frodo takes a leap when the cow jumps over the moon and puts on the ring. And of course, Strider comes over and was like, that was a bad idea, Mr. Baggins. And that was so much worse. Remember 30 seconds ago when I told you not to let your friends talk too much because they're going to ruin your whole thing that you're trying to do? Why did you do that? That is the worst possible thing you could have done. He is immediately realizing that these people are, in his view, not cut out for this. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to have to babysit them for the rest of forever or they're going to die. So Strider doesn't fit super well into this. But this is a good segue to what I was about to discuss we we have a list when we talk about characters, certain cha- certain types of characters. We have a category, right, that you and I oh, have discussed. I know where this is going. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, yes. And Strider loosely fits into this category, I feel like. But I think we're going to, for the sake of it, we're going to include him. For Pride Month. For Pride Month. For, for Pride Month. Uh, the category is, for Pride Month, uh, the category is unwilling or unexpected father figures who you can 
definitely call daddy. Yes. Very yes. Uh, and, you know, just as an example for this, the the stern uh, Strider moment is I'm so torn between being like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. He just pulled out the name fucking Baggins, air horns all over the place. <laughs> and also being like, yes, daddy, I'm sorry, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I was texting you because you had given me a heads up that we were going to meet Aragorn in this chapter. And I just texted you in all caps, Aragorn. And then you responded, asterisk, daddy. And my response to that was, listen, if he wants to correct me, I'll be corrected. <laughs> <laughs> incredible um but we get strider being like meet me in your room uh mm, you can meet yes, me Daddy. in my room <laughs> <laughs> and then butterbur's like hey can we have a quick conversation when you get a sec um and we move on to chapter 10 strider which this is not a terribly long chapter. We did say that this was going to be a shorter episode. <laughs> yeah. I love our tangents, though. Um, beginning of chapter 10. Do you have anything more for chapter 9 before we move on? Let me check. Usually I denote in my notes when I am switching from one chapter to another. And I didn't do that this time. So let me refer to the text. Yeah, no, nothing else for this chapter, I don't think. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, we move on to chapter 10. Mary is missing for the moment. He'll appear when it's plot relevant. Mm -hmm. And Strider comes and he does the roguish thing where he goes, you know, I'll tell you all you want for a price. Any Kinda price, like, Strider, name it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they're like, we don't have money, um, which sounds like the beginning of a porno. Um, <laughs> and Strider goes, no, you take me with you. Mm -hmm. So this is a long running porno series. Uh, <laughs> Katie Robert, get on this if you run out of material. <laughs> I had a half thought that we could cover the Katie Robert universe at some point and then was like, no, we can't. We absolutely cannot. Maybe, no, yeah, no. There are some things that are not meant to be shared with the whole world. <laughs> also, I like, I worry about Katie Roberts. She is a machine. I know she has some kind of recurring wrist injury from writing too much. It's hard being a writer. Give her some peace. Anyway, Strider. He demands to come along. And, but he does say, uh, and basically tells them, hey, you guys suck at this. Right? Uh, I heard you talking on the road uh, as you wandered with Tom Bombadil. And um, which, by the way, Strider knows who Bombadil is mm -hmm. and clearly is not impressed which that just gives us a fun little um, sort of recalibrates us. Because up to this point, Tom Bombadil is clearly the most powerful being that we've encountered. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Strider is necessarily more powerful than this spirit of the land. 
But the fact that Strider just clearly doesn't really seem to give a shit about Bombadil is like, oh, that's mm, that's concerning. Yeah. But that is. Uh, but Strider says. He's the one he's that shadow that slipped over the gate. Okay. After them. Right. Uh, I slipped over the gate just behind them. Maybe Mr. Baggins has an honest reason for leaving his name behind. But if so, I should advise him and his friends to be more careful. Um, and Frodo goes, well, Mr. Strider might have an honest reason for spying and eavesdropping. But if so, I should advise him to explain it. And mm. I I love that Frodo, you know, clearly confronted by, with this dude with a sword and potentially nefarious agendas is still a sassy bitch magic makes you dramatic and frodo now has access to some magic Mm -hmm. so um but anyway we we talk about how strider how strider has noticed the black riders on the road and uh, not everyone in Bree is to be trusted. And then says, like, listen, if you guys keep going like this, you'll be dead before you reach your destination. Long before. Or like, it, it implies that, you know? Mm-hmm. And Strider goes, you know, I can, I can keep you safe. And then what, Sam? I didn't really have, I know that there's more things that happen in between, but the next thing that I had really had any notes about was Gandalf's letter. Right. So Butterbur has been like mentioning, like dropping hints the whole time. He's like, I, I know something about a Mr. Underhill or a, there was there was something going on. I sh- I hmm, I don't remember. Hang on, I'll get back to you. And finally, he reveals. Oh yeah, by the way, Gandalf let have me this letter to send to you. I just forgot about it. Um, and says, you know, help. You know, tells tells Gandalf told Butterbur about Frodo's assumed name. And says, you know, I like I want to help. And you're, you know, Butterbur says, you know, I want to I want to help. Gandalf told me to help, so I want to help. And finally, like, sort of leaves them with the letter and leaves. Mid Year's Day. So let's assume that's what the the letter is dated Mid Year's Day, right? So let's assume that's what June. Yeah, mid-June. Mid-June. It is now October. And Gandalf, of course, says, you know, you can trust Barlow and Butterbur. You might meet this dude named Strider. He he will help you. Um, And then leaves a PS, a PPS, and a PPPS. Um you know, warning Frodo, don't use the ring. And then, then we get the two extra post scripts, which are in themselves dramatic. 
having additional postscripts is dramatic. But the first one being like, hey, make sure this is the real Strider. Here's his name, his actual name, his real name. And here's a poem. And then the next one where he says, you know, I really hope that Butterbur doesn't forget about this. He's a he's a nice dude. But if he forgets, I'll roast him. Farewell. And then Frodo, after reading it, goes, yeah, he deserves roasting. He doesn't deserve roasting. He's And he gave a reasonable set of reasons for why the letter hadn't gotten to him. Just that he hadn't gotten a chance to send it. And there was nobody headed that way. And yeah, Gandalf's a big, important guy. But Butterbur has a lot going on. He was doing his best. And... We will get to the content of the letter because there is so much content. But with all the postscripts, the PS, the PPS, the ps, 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 I was like, are you writing a letter or trying to get a cat to come to you with the with all the ps, 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 ps? <laughs> And he signs each postscript with the elf rune G. Mm-hmm. Right? So every additional postscript he signs, which is just wonderful. I love it's it. like getting a text from your grandparents. So they address each and send each text. You know, hello Sam, hope you are doing well. Da 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 da. da. Love Grammy and Grampy. Yeah, it's it's a text. I can see that it was from you, but it's still very sweet. It's nice. Um, the poem, the Again. most famous poem of ever. That if you know nothing else about Lord of the Rings, you have most certainly heard at least fragments of it. You have heard specifically one line from this poem. But, and we won't read the entire thing. I'll just read the first stanza. It's just two stanzas of uh, basically two sets of couplets. All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. And there's a second stanza, which you can go and read for yourself. But obviously the line that everyone knows, the out, all the outdoor girlies and REI members uh, know I feel so the attacked phrase. as an REI member. <laughs> uh, know the, the phrase, not all those who wander are lost. I have socks with that on them that are not Lord of the Rings socks, mind you. They mm-hmm. are like, they have like a compass rose on them. This is, this is such an overused phrase. And I love it so much. My, mm-hmm. um, my ex who I adore very deeply and we're still very good friends gave me a gift at one point. She, she adamantly has not read Lord of the Rings, does not want to, but gave me a, a set of pictures, um, a big like multi-frame photo frame with pictures from our travels together because we both, we lived in separate places in Europe for a while and would meet up all over. And in the center, it says, and she put, she put this in in there herself as, not all those who wander are lost. That's very sweet. Just, and it just goes to like, show like, this is such a well-known phrase, right? And all that is gold does not glitter is also 
fairly well known. That piece it finds its way in a slightly more form into the lyrics of Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. I was going to say Smash Mouth's All-Star. <laughs> that too? That's I guess you're right. <laughs> That's where um, my mind went. <laughs> I mean, Led Zeppelin, they draw a lot of uh, lyrics from Tolkien. Oh, they I have a song that. called Misty they have a song called Misty Mountain Hop. Damn. And they they have lyrics at one point in one of their songs um it's Gollum and the evil warg crept up and slipped away with her. Mm. It's literally um a like it's their lyrics are filled with Tolkien references. That's such nerd shit. I love it. It's wonderful. And they are one of the most famous fucking bands of all time. Mm -hmm. Like everyone knows Led Zeppelin. (laughs) I hope everyone knows Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. I will confess this is me with the Griffin McElroy meme of I don't know something something and I'm too afraid to ask. All I know is they're a band and they're really famous. I'm sure I've heard their songs before and would recognize one if it was played for me, but I know literally nothing about Led Zeppelin. You could tell me anything and I would have no way of knowing if it was true or not. Uh, One of their other big ones that I'm sure you've heard is Immigrant Song. Maybe I've heard do, it. Do, I don't do, recognize Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stairway to Heaven, The Ocean, Over the Hills and Far Away, Cashmere, Misty Mountain Hop. Um, I'll send you some stuff. I've definitely put stuff on our playlists before. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Frodo, but do we have anything else for the letter? You, you mentioned you had content for the letter. I mean, oh, the poem uh, was most of it. The poem is most of it. I just have, again, Gandalf being dramatic. Poetry, multiple postscripts, and threats all in the same letter. It's beautiful. Threats to a person who's not reading this letter. Yeah. Either. Like, perfect. And then, you know, Frodo turns to Strider and goes, or as we, as we know him now, Aragorn. And goes, why didn't you tell me you knew Gandalf? And Strider goes, would you have believed me? And then, because he's hot and troubled and no one understands him, except for me, I understand him and I can comfort him. He does say, basically, I hoped that you would like me for me. And, quote, a haunted man sometimes wearies of distrust and longs for friendship, unquote. Ugh. He longs for friendship. Maybe he longs for more. Who's to say? But he's he's troubled and he just wants to make a good impression on his own. And I love him. But there, I believe, my looks are against me, he says. And then Pippin says they are at first sight at any rate, which is implying that his looks are not good. I'm sure his looks are fucking spectacular. Pippin, you shut the fuck up. Listen, he probably needs a bit of a bath. 
but as that's part of it. They have to be grimy a little bit. They have to be a little grimy. Um, but then again, I mean, I am somebody who has spent time in the backwoods and you are married to somebody who enjoys spending time in the backwoods. Um, you know that after several days out out in the woods, you, you get a little a little gross. Yeah, I do not. Um, my darling spouse used to work with horses for quite a while, and they would have to do a full cleansing before, like sitting on our bed. <laughs> but you know, if Aragorn rolls up to the inn and he's a little gross and he's a little nasty. Maybe he needs to take a bath in one of those big old timey tubs. And maybe you have to bring him some hot water and maybe a little snack, maybe a little tub drink. And then you're in there and it's very intimate and it's a very warm and soapy. And then whatever happens, happens. <laughs> There's only possibility. There's no limitations. And, or, you know, we can much like Yaskir and Geralt, you know, rub chamomile on his lovely bottom. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now I'm just thinking, I haven't seen or played The Witcher, but I do know there is that one gif of Geralt in the bathtub, and I'm just going to go look at that later for personal reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, we, we have, Strider sort of does the same thing as, as Gandalf, where he goes, you know, like, if I wanted to, I could take the ring from you and use it. Just to sort of like, I think both Strider and Gandalf. Gandalf uh, Strider has clearly learned from Gandalf, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so is is pulling out all the same tricks of like, just trying to hammer home how much fucking danger these hobbits are in. And the hobbits aren't getting it yet. <laughs> no. But anyway, Strider says, you know, I look foul and feel fair. Is that it? All that is gold that does not, all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. And Frodo says, oh, wait, wait, the poem was about you? <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. It was it was in the stand in the postscript about Strider. Listen, I don't know how much they teach about poetry in Hobbit school and interpreting context. Uh, but he says, you know, but how did you know they were in Gandalf's letter if you hadn't seen it? And he goes, "I'm Aragorn, and those verses go with the name." And he draws out the sword that was broken. Which is another one of the lines renewed that renewed shall be blade that was broken and says you know like i can't use this sword now but the time is near when it shall be forged anew and looks kind of to sam and sam says nothing and he says well with sam's permission we'll call that settled <laughs> and i i love it Oh, one of the lines before this says, you know, where he's trying to convince them how much real danger they're in. Mm -hmm. He goes, fortunately, I am the real Strider. I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and if by life or death I can save you, I will. Perfect. So good. I had that highlighted as well. Amazing. 
but they're doing they're doing all of this and then mary bursts in Mm -hmm. and goes oh by the way there's like there's black riders in the town yep (laughs) and you know gives this rambling explanation then goes wait who's this dude (laughs) (laughs) and i love that tolkien can be verbose when he needs to be but he does know how to edit Mm -hmm. because like he could absolutely have given a whole fucking recap here even though we just read it and i have met authors who would do that i'm currently reading a series by an author who does that on far too many occasions but they just kind of say oh you know this is this is a friend of gandalf's we'll explain later and then they say you know oh they gave mary the whole story yeah and i appreciate that because there is a book that is actually our book club book for this month, which I don't know if you've started yet, but it's a very light, breezy, sapphic rom-com. Nothing that's really difficult to keep track of, but very frequently something will happen. And then the author will immediately summarize the character felt this way about what happened, or this is what happened. And I go, yeah, I know because I just read that scene three seconds ago. You don't need to summarize it. There's not, really a whole lot going on for me to forget if it's something like this where there's a lot of intricate details and moving parts I don't mind being reminded because as I've mentioned before I am representation for not very close readers sometimes we forget things and that's helpful but it really has to be done skillfully in order for it to not just feel kind of patronizing anyway yeah and you know I know I know people complain about Tolkien writing too much exposition and but there there are times i think when he like he clearly knows his craft he has clearly chosen what's going in what's going in here Mm -hmm. and you know at least he's not waxing poetic about the parisian sewer system so with Mary's warning and Nob's help, they decide to all stay with Strider for the night. And I would and love put to disguises. Oh, sorry. Hmm? They put disguises in their own bed so as to throw off the scent. Mm-hmm. And what was your your thought? Oh, I was just gonna say that that is what Nob's help was: is that he is a true ally and made like kids sneaking out of their parents' house for the night, little dummies in their beds and ruffled up the covers to make it look like they were sleeping in them. He really, I'm not sure how much of a difference that's going to make, but he really gave it his all. He really did. And they, they fill Mary in and then they go to bed and Strider keeps watch. And that's where we're going to pick up next time unless you have anything else to leave us with yeah i mean just briefly we kind of already knew this but we do have it confirmed that gandalf is definitely missing missing aragorn has not heard from him nobody's heard from him so this is not just he is avoiding the party specifically something is definitely up with gandalf Oh, and, and Strider says, you know, like, you only know Gandalf through, like, little tricks and shit. Gandalf is so much more than that, and you'll get there eventually. You'll learn. Mm-hmm. So I think that that raises the stakes on Gandalf. The fact that we know that 
oh, he's actually so much more powerful than we think. And also he is uh, definitely missing now. Hmm. That's not good. And also, so, just to, oh, sorry. Nope. Oh, I was, my other little thing was just going to be, imagine how soundly you would sleep with Aragorn watching over you, just standing guard at your room. I would feel so protected. I would feel so safe, like a little baby bunny in a nest. It would be good. I, I know wouldn't. that there, no, you wouldn't want to, well, I mean, it would be kind of weird to like be stared at, but. I don't I like people protected. watching me when I sleep it's yeah yeah that's fair i'll take him then i'm fine curling up next to him that's a whole different story but watching no that's fair is that is that all we've got for for these couple of chapters i think so i think we've hit everything that was in my notes i was just really excited to meet aragorn i felt a deep kinship with every 12 year old girl and lesbian and closeted bisexual man and every other person who has had some kind of profound awakening when encountering Aragorn for the first time. And I'm already pretty awakened. I am a fully grown woman who is secure in myself, but still just that moment being like, oh, okay. Hello there. And this is not even in a visual format. So when we get to the movies, I'm just going to lose my mind, but. Oh yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, he is he's the perfect Grammy man I just want to be at the Prancing Pony eating cheese and slabs of butter it just sounds lovely minus all of the scary quest stuff but yeah yeah but next time this means next time we will be finishing book one I don't know if we've discussed that Tolkien divided Lord of the Rings into six books in three volumes Mm-hmm. which means we will be finishing book one with chapters 11, 11 and 12 next time a knife in the dark and flight to the ford mm. so we will cover those next time on our po- on our lovely podcast the fandom apprentice well, that's that's an outro uh if you like what you've you've heard over the last almost hour and a half. My sympathies. I did say we were going to make this short and we didn't. Um, but if you like what you've heard, you can check out our backlog of episodes, uh, which is ever growing. You can subscribe to the podcast. We release every other week. And... In between episodes, we have little pieces of trivia or little little images and clips that will make their way up on our social media, which you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at FanAppPod. Uh, I'm so sorry, that is three Ps in a row. FanAppPod. FanAppPod. Uh, you can also send us an email at thefandomapprentice at gmail.com. And you can spread word of mouth about the podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for us to gain new listeners. Um, so please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you're, the podcast platform you listen to allows for that sort of thing. 
And uh, please tell your friends about us. And we'll be back at you in two weeks with the ending of book one of Fellowship of the Ring. Let's Anything go. else to add, Sammy? No, I'm just excited for the next one. We're making good progress. We are. All right. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you later. See you next Bye, time. Y'all. The Phantom Apprentice is produced and edited by Rin and Sam. Our music was composed and performed by James, and our art is by Casey Turgeon. This podcast is created for non-commercial entertainment purposes, and the opinions expressed therein are our own and are not reflective of the opinions of any other person or organization. The content discussed is the property of the Tolkien estate and is used here under fair use. Thank you.